Welcome to Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly. I'm Bishop Tom Daly, the seventh bishop of the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington State. Welcome to the show. I'm very honored to have uh, Father Barnett. Dan Barnett is the rector of Bishop White Seminary. He is also in charge of the McGivney Hall Project, which we will hear about at some point later on. But today we're going to talk about St. Joseph, fatherhood, and the gift that Joseph is to, to our church, especially to men as uh, we celebrate as a nation Father's Day. As you know, Pope Francis has written a letter entitled With a Father's Heart. It's a short letter on Joseph, and I would encourage our listening audience to, to read it because it's divided up into various themes on the topic of father. And as we know in this culture here in what the Western world, there is so much um, out there that is confusing about the role of, of men and fathers. And uh, Joseph, St. Joseph, um, as the um, patron of the Universal Church on his 150th anniversary of that proclamation, offers us a great model and intercessor and protector. So Father Barnett, tell us a little bit about, uh, I know in your many, many roles in the diocese, also I forgot to, he is the administrator of the parishes in Tico and Oaksdale, the farming communities, and also in charge of the Office of Spiritual Healing. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, yes, this here St. Joseph that was proclaimed, it's um, back in December, on December 8th, Pope Francis wrote a letter, as you mentioned, with the Father's heart. Uh, on the 150th anniversary of the declaration that St. Joseph is the protector of the church and the patron of, of the universal church. And so he wrote this beautiful letter. Um, there's seven themes that he talks about uh, with regard to St. Joseph, a beloved father, a tender and loving father, an obedient father, an accepting father, a creatively courageous father, a working father, and a father in the shadows. And so in each of these, under each of these headings, he has a brief little uh, reflection on the role of St. Joseph and how that could be lived by men in our own day and by all men and women, how we can rely upon St. Joseph still to this day for his protection and his care. There's something else very interesting that along with this letter from Pope Francis, there was a letter, uh, a decree from one of the congregations, which actually allowed uh, the plenary indulgence to be granted on various um, ways of getting them. And they used five titles of St. Joseph that were, are also very fruitful. An authentic man of faith, a just man, a guardian of the Holy Family, a worker, and one who protects others in the face of rejection and suffering and abandonment. So in all of these things that they give uh, us a great example to look to St. Joseph, and especially for us men called to be fathers, um, how we can imitate him as well. You know, one of the things uh, Father Barnett and I have talked about, uh, what we look for in uh, men studying for the priesthood for our diocese is, could they be uh, viewed as credible husbands and fathers? And that is, uh, what, what does a father do? He protects and he provides, he makes sacrifices. Um, generally speaking, when it comes to the raising of children, uh, it's an observation that I find accurate that children listen to their mothers, but they watch their fathers. And that I think that is significant that if we look to the Gospels, again, there's no recorded words of, of St. Joseph. And yet he, in his example, uh, speaks volumes. Yes, you know, 
as you mentioned, Joseph does not have any words. He simply listens and then he follows. He is inspired by the angel to take the woman into his home, and he does. And he take the child and his mother to Egypt, and he does. And he go back to uh, Israel, and he does. Um, one of the things that's really often and rightfully spoken about is Jesus in the gospel, how he deals with women. And um, the people would say, well, he treats women in a way that is really countercultural for the, the time. Where did he learn that? And well, you would have learned it at home, just like everyone else does. And that is how his father treats his mother and how, his, how he saw him working and how he treated other people, especially the poor. That's how Jesus and his humanity learned how to treat his mother um, and how to treat other women, therefore. And so we look at Jesus and how he acts and interacts with other human beings. You, we can trace that to his parental well, because it says in the scripture that Jesus grew in age and grace um, there at the home of Nazareth. And I think um, in this time in which we are, and especially in the United States with the, the great divisions and family life and the whole questions of, of gender, um, if you look to um, uh, so often on television now on these commercials, there are uh, the, the dads are appear to be somewhat of the buffoons. And um, they're not strong and um, in the way that doesn't mean necessarily physical strength. It is in strength of character, sure. the ability to make sacrifices. And so uh, St. Joseph models for, for uh, priests and models for husbands and fathers and for, for young men that sense of uh, a commitment, um, of courage, and the willingness to trust. Um, as, you, as Father said, uh, we um, know that uh, God spoke to uh, Joseph in dreams, and he acted upon that um, with great trust. No doubt he learned to trust God from his own parents. And so we see the role how often uh, in, in the sad situation, so many families, uh, when they, family life is being redefined, the most uh, adjusted uh, young people, psychologically speaking, uh, studies show are when they have present in the home um, uh, a dad and a mom and um, the biological parents. Uh, now, of course, we know of adoptive parents, uh, how significant that can be. But um, again, Joseph, it's probably providential in so many ways that Pope Francis uh, wrote this brief letter, but yet at a time when we as a church uh, are looking for a greater sense of courage in the midst of the complex and often compromising culture that is seeming to be permeating things, Joseph becomes his great intercessor. Exactly. And you know, the, you mentioned the cultural uh, reference that we have in the movies and, and elsewhere. A lot of times the, to be a man is kind of characterized as this lone ranger guy who's out there, he's got all the answers and he's strong. But um, Joseph, one of the ways that Pope Francis rightfully describes him as a, a beloved father. And this too, from you know, John Paul II um, in his letter, Redemptoris Custos, uh, the guardian of the Redeemer, is that St. Joseph's identity is husband of Mary and foster father of Jesus. His identity is in relationship to his wife and his son. And he does what it needs to be done. And that's where he gets his identity. And so um, he's not alone. 
he's he's intimately connected right there the history of salvation one of the things that um there's a book by father don calloway he is um Eastern, based in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and his book that's popular, Consecration to St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father. Um, I was talking to uh, Tim Navoni, the president of Murray Catholic, and Father Andrew Ginter is the chaplain. And they, with a group of um, dads and their sons, have used this book and made the consecration. And uh, there's various titles in this book, and I encourage our listening audience, um, especially the men, uh, and young men to consider uh, getting the book Consecration to St. Joseph by Father Don Calloway and, um, and, and read it. It's divided up into chapters. Uh, it's very helpful. It's clear. But one of the titles that seems to be drawing the attention uh, a lot is, uh, is Joseph, uh, Terror of Demons. Um, now, Father Barnett, would you... Um, I don't, you've not asked me to, to uh, name a parish after that, but I mean, <laughs> would you find that... Um, to speak a little bit about sure, that, sure. why why might that be attractive? Well, today? you know, I think first of all, for a young man, uh, there's something about d- danger, and we're we're called to to go off into the breach. You know, the the letter from uh, the bishop um, Phoenix. Uh, you know, uh, Bishop Olmsted. Yes, yeah. Bishop Olmsted. Another uh, this thing inspires men for danger to go do great things and to to risk great things. Um, now, there's a danger in that uh, kind of attractiveness to the terror of demons because people get all ghosty and they go um, kind of spoiling for a fight. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's not the way I don't think to it's most helpful. The terror of demons, you know, he is he's after Our Lady, the most powerful intercessor that we have, and they hate him. But where St. Joseph is so powerful is in his fidelity mm-hmm. and and precisely in the midst of attacks on the family and the uh, on his own family attacks on his religion attacks on his nation all of these things saint joseph had to deal with but he didn't go off and joining the zealot party or doing anything else he took care of his wife he took care of his kids and most especially he listened to the father in prayer and he listened and was obedient and accepting he was courageous and this is what I think is the greatest model for men who are, whether they be priests or seminarians, bishops or, or laymen, we have to stay faithful to our faith. And we see this right now. The parishes are opening up. Mass is now um, uh, the norm again. But that's going to take a real battle to, to stay faithful. We don't need to go off um, duking it out with unseen foes. Uh, the first thing is we have to stay, keep our hands on the rudder mm-hmm. and <laughs> keep steering. And that takes a lot of energy. Yeah. You know, oftentimes, and uh, we're going to get ready for a break if briefly, but, uh, you know, you've heard me say in the audience, listening audience, that the uh, devil um, divides, distracts, discourages, and left unchecked will destroy. And so you have well-intentioned uh, Catholic Christians who might get caught up, as you said, looking for the big battle. When in fact, uh, it is in the day-to-day uh, acts of fidelity, as you're speaking about, whether it's in marriage, a uh, husband's um, love for his wife and children, uh, the ability to make sacrifices for them, the pastor of a parish. Uh, as Father Luke Thompson was telling me yesterday that um, he's already seen larger crowds coming back. And he said there's a, there's a good spirit, at least at St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. And um, there, as, as the pastor of a parish, much like Father Barnett as the pastor, in the sense of rector of the seminary, uh, 
watching out for his the seminarians, watching out Father Luke Thompson, all of our priests for their parishioners. So it is, um, although that terror of the demon is an attractive, it's like the difference, would you want to be a medical doctor, a country doctor, or do you want to be a heart surgeon at a major medical center in a major city? Well, um, some, how much is that ego and how much is that just quiet, humble service? We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're still talking about St. Joseph, his role, and how he is powerful intercessor for the Catholic Church, especially here in the United States. Welcome back. We're talking to Father Barnett. I'm talking to the rector of our seminary, uh, Bishop White, and also the McGivney Hall Project. And the um, topic is St. Joseph. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Joseph um, is a model for us in our spiritual life. And uh, this is a year of St. Joseph. Before the, uh, the break, Father, you mentioned about a plenary indulgence. Uh, can you just explain to our listening sure. audience, they might be unsure as to what that means. Sure. A plenary indulgence is a remission of the temporal punishment due to sin that has already been forgiven in confession. So I'll unpack that. <laughs> when we go to confession, our sins are forgiven. And they're all forgiven. The guilt is gone. Um, However, the, the effects of those remain. For example, if, if I steal something and destroy somebody's car, for example, I rob somebody's car and then total it, I can be forgiven for it in confession, but the car is still totaled. And somebody's got to make reparation mm -hmm. for that. And then there's all the effects of that. The kid missed his soccer game mm -hmm. and the coach got angry Fire. and all the other things. You yeah. know, it ricochets through. So all of that has an effect and all of those sins. And so those need to be somehow righted in justice. Mm -hmm. And so what an indulgence is, is a, an, an indulgent father who gives uh, to us the, to, to right all of those wrongs, to equal the, the, the scales, if you will. And a plenary indulgence is a full one. So basically it, it removes all of that temporal punishment that is, would be found in purgatory, and it's removed in favor of a, of a certain thing. So it's not an earned thing. You can't buy it. Um, but this year of St. Joseph has been granted um, plenary indulgence under certain conditions. And the ordinary conditions are the desire to be free from sin, even venial sin. So going to confession within two weeks, going to communion on the day of the act, which signifies that we are in full communion with the church and praying for the intentions of the Holy Father. So that's generally speaking, a, an Our Father, Hail Mary, and a Glory Be, and a Creed. So very attractive to the people. I not to be confused with the indulgences that the uh, once again the German Church uh, <laughs> was selling, which of course uh, led to the to the Reformation. But that's for another show. Um, oftentimes, uh, Joseph is described in Scripture as a just man. So I like Father Barnett to talk about that. And also, when we have our litanies, it's often Joseph, we most chaste spouse. So maybe if those are kind of I think uh, titles that uh, or descriptions that are audience may know of, and your thoughts, insights about both of those. Sure. Uh, in the gospel yesterday, this, this right now, we're just into the fifth chapter of St. Matthew in the, um, in the Beatitudes. And so yesterday we heard, um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the pure of heart. Joseph is a just man, and that means his, he's righteous. That is, he is, in, before God, he is, his heart is in the right place. And how one acquires that justice, that right relationship with God, really requires 
in our day. Silence, the value of prudence, being able to self-control, discipline, all of these things which one expects of a real man, of a, of a good father, is discretion. Um, he's got all of his normal feelings, but he's also able to control himself and discipline himself for the good. And so the just man, Joseph, is not simply a, a, a man who got all the answers right, you know, who, who checks all the boxes, if you will. That's, that's not really possible for any of us. Um, go back to that plenary indulgence discussion. Um, but the justice that comes from God is this restoration of a right relationship with the Father. And so we are beloved sons, and recognizing our place in this family, we respond as best we can. We're obedient. We listen. We try as best we can to, to follow with him. And we utilize sacraments, for example. Um, and that relationship with our spouses, um, whether that is our married spouse, it leads you into that most chaste spouse. Chastity is, is not simply a, you know, a continence, non-having relations with someone. It's, chastity is the use of our powers for the good, uh, the, for self-sacrifice, to give ourselves more completely. And so, you know, things that today would be very, there's a lot of things with pornography on, on the internet, but, you know, um, sometimes sports can take the place of, of what we want to give to our, the time that we need to give to our spouse, or Amazon, or uh, news or discussions or any other, our workaholism can, can get in the way to, to prevent us from being a, a gift to our, our wife and our children. And um, we as husbands, and, and this, be the, this could be the case also for priests, you know, we can be caught up in many things rather than being available for the, the midnight call to the hospital or um, listening to someone and hearing confessions. And so Ch Joseph gives us this example. He's always disposed. Um, and available for the will of God and to give himself more completely. What have you found personally in your life of the titles uh, in Pope Francis's letter or maybe in your own reading, what have you found to be something that uh, maybe one of your uh, talks to the seminarians or uh, maybe in a, you find occasionally comes out in some of your, your homilies uh, as, as uh, Antico and Oaksdale? You know, I look at St. Joseph I think about what it must have been like. I mean, he, yes, he's a saint and he's a tremendous saint, but his wife is the Immaculate Conception and his son is God. <laughs> and then there's Joseph and how he must have felt. It must be, it must, he's, he's also very humble, mm -hmm. um, but he knows he's beloved. And so there's very freeing, but that gives me great hope because I think, you know, they, Mary and Joseph, they don't, and, and Jesus, they don't expect that we be perfect. They know better. Um, they want us to show up. And, and in fact, they ask us to, to receive them. It's, it's a very humbling thing on Jesus' part and on Mary's part to ask to be taken in. Um, Mary was really very much at, um, at risk, and Joseph protected her. And, um, and then John did the same thing at the end of um, Jesus' life when he brought her in. And so that gives me great hope that, you know, even despite my many weaknesses and sins, that somehow I can, I can provide some um, shelter out of the wind for, for these, whether they be um, Our Lady or um, whether any of other children. So 
Uh, the earlier or last month, I received a letter from the um, the Oblates of Saint Joseph, um, which is a province for the whole United States, and they're based in Santa Cruz, which is um, on the coast in, uh, in Northern California. And their seminarians are to uh, to attend Saint Patrick's, where uh, where our theologians go in Menlo Park. But um, uh, the provincial Father Spencer is writing to the bishops of the United States, and um, he writes, I want to invite your participation in a very simple initiative to ask the Holy Father to add the feast of the Holy Spouses of Mary and Joseph to the universal calendar. The Oblates of St. Joseph, um, I think, was founded in Italy, and the congregation in all of their houses has uh, this feast on January 23rd. And um, he's recommending or asking us if we would um, write to the Holy Father and ask him to consider adding this to the universal calendar. His reason, of course, is that um, there's so many challenges to marriage and family life in today's society. And wouldn't it be a great thing for the universal church if we came together to celebrate this feast? I think what uh, Father Barnett is speaking of, that um, the Holy Family welcomes us. In fact, you know, in, in Lourdes, uh, Mary asked to Barnett, would you do me the honor, uh, I think depending on the translation, to coming back and... Um, praying. And here it is, our Blessed Mother, uh, the Immaculate Conception, asking the simple peasant girl Bernadette in that little village in the south of France to do me, would you do me the honor? And so she had never herself, Bernadette, been treated with such um, respect and dignity. And here it is, the mother of our Lord, taking us, as as Father said, as simple but uh, frail and uh, sinful human beings, treated with such respect. so much, I think, in our in our culture today uh, is so it's almost it's in a, in, a, in a warp speed almost attack on the role of of men and women and of uh, husband and father. And we have in this the gift of the church, uh, this great saint um, who, again, God has given to us uh, who models for us. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, just. Earlier this spring, we were blessed at the seminary to have, as you know, um, a retreat. And Sister Miriam James Heidland came and uh, for a couple of days to give us a, a healing retreat. And one of the it was specifically designed for seminarians and priests. Um, and there's especially in these intimate relationships of son and, um, you know, relationship with our friends and things which are often wounded and certainly under attack and for guys. And one of the things she said, it was very powerful for the men, for me too, was simply to say, your masculinity is not toxic. Your masculinity is not toxic. It's, it's a good thing. It's not feminine, femininity, and it shouldn't be. Um, it's a good thing as it is created. Now, certainly it's not perfect. We all need to be um, in, grow and age and grace ourselves. But that, that idea that our masculinity is somehow toxic um, that's not in God's plan. And St. Joseph, his masculinity isn't toxic to Our Lady or to Jesus. Um, it's it's a needed yeah, antidote. That's a great point because I've often said that when um, they talk about uh, the toxic masculinity, what does that mean? Is it an aggressive behavior? Well, that's immoral behavior. It's much like yeah. the abuse crisis. Someone tried to say, well, it was clericalism. No, it wasn't. It was immoral, degenerate behavior. So the fact that you take masculinity which has the qualities of Joseph that we're speaking about and somehow attack that whole concept with toxic is just once again, um, 
a concerted effort, whether it's in secular world, parts of media, to attack uh, the complementary nature? Yeah. Uh, do we take uh, perhaps sleazy behavior and say, well, that's toxic femininity? No, that's immoral behavior. And so I think for us as the church, very careful that we um, speak for, as Father is saying, these qualities that um, complement men and women and uh, are, are in God's plan. This is a great thing. You, you had mentioned earlier the devil divides. Um, God distinguishes, but that distinction is there for, for union and communion. And so the strength and uh, of men and women is, is both strong, but they're different. Mm -hmm. and, um, and they're good, both created well and good. And so anyway, St. Joseph shows us how, to, how that can be lived along with Our Lady and with Jesus. And each day. Again, I'd like to thank Father Barnett, and as uh, I mentioned, he is the rector of our seminary, Bishop White, but beginning uh, in 2022, we have a project called the Begivney Hall, and that is what will be, has been termed the propedeutic year. It is a year of preparation for the men before they enter the seminary. We have a building uh, that we've acquired, uh, we purchased, and it needs significant remodeling, and your prayers and generosity can make this uh, project a reality. So again, the Giveney Hall Project, uh, get on the uh, website of the Bishop White and um, you'll find all sorts of information about it after the heart of Christ. And um, I thank you for your prayers, it's your support and your generosity. Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly is a production of the Catholic Diocese of Spokane. Walking in Faith is produced and edited by Mitchell Palmquist. It can be heard on Sacred Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcasting apps.